Okay, welcome to the latest episode of the United Pubcast, and we are very, very fortunate to have another guest on. Um, seems we have a couple of guests every couple of weeks now, which is good, but um, this is a different type of guest. Um, no disrespect to any other guests we do get, but to have a former Man United number seven and a true United great, you've all seen in the title and the photo of the thumbnail, um, the great Willie Morgan. How are you, mate? Um, very well, Thomas, and uh, hello to everyone in Australia. Yeah, well, we'll just hope talk. Better, hope your weather's better than ours. <laughs> yeah, well, we're just talking about that just a little bit there, weren't we? That um, it's starting to get a little bit cooler here in Sydney. Um, there's a little bit more rain, and the nights and mornings are a little bit cooler. But um, I guess yeah, it's not not the same as what you're um having to compete with it, at the moment as well. It's crazy. Last week we were out the back on the sunbeds, having a glass of wine, sunbathing. This week, wrapped up. I played. I played golf on um, on Tuesday. I played golf, and uh, the lad you probably know Brian McFadden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Brian. Do you know Brian? Yeah, 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 yeah. Not big here. Westlife, yeah. yeah. And uh, he beat me sadly. Oh, no good. One of the sadder moments. Normally he doesn't, but he did. He's a good golfer. But we, we started off, it was cold and sunny. And then it snowed. <laughs> you, couldn't, yeah. you couldn't write it. It's absolutely crazy. And he's a big Man United fan. You know, he's a massive yeah. Man United fan, Brian. He's a season ticket holder. So, um, yeah, the weather, you just, yeah, you just got to get on with it. It's, uh, after this COVID, I think, anything's a bonus, so. Yeah, well, yeah, just time to get outside, I think. I think anyone will take what they get. But um, before we get on to sort of when we do have a former player on the podcast, we like to sort of go away from sort of the general United chat and talk about sort of sort of better times and more glorious times and sort of go through said player's career. So we will get into your time at United, which was a very special time. But we'll just quickly touch on, um, obviously, United played Granada last night. Um, a big 2-0 win, and I'll just go through some of the Facebook comp. We'll just quickly touch on it because, again, it's the first leg of a Europa League quarterfinal. I don't think it's a match. Um, people are going to yeah. be writing home about at the end of the season. So um, we'll just quickly go over the 3-2-1 comments on Facebook. Some of the members have put in. George goes three points for Lindelof, two points for Rashford, and one for Harry Maguire. Vin says three for Lindelof, two for Rashford, and one for Bruno. And Emma goes, obviously, three for Lindelof, two for Rashford, and one for Bruno. And I think there's um, been a lot of crit- not criticism online about the match, but um, a lot of people are a little bit disappointed with performance. But I look at it and think, first leg, 2-0 win away in Spain. Um, I'm extremely happy with it. And I pretty much agree with most of the comments there. I thought Lindelof was man of the match. Rashford with a very important goal and now has 20 goals for the season. And I'd say probably Bruno over Maguire just for, yeah, Bruno scores another penalty. Another very important goal, and he also obviously has over 20 goals. But um, just a little bit on the current state of that, um, the current United side, Willie. Um, we'll get into your time in just a little bit. But um, how do you feel United are going in this season? Because they have come in for so much criticism. But I look at it now, we're in a European quarterfinal. Okay, it's not the Champions League, but we're in the latter stage of a European tournament. And we're second in the league behind, I don't like to say it, but second in the league behind a very good Manchester City side. I don't think it's the doom and gloom everyone's sort of making out it to be. Well, you know, the standard of the, the Premier League this year is very poor. Hmm. Very, very poor. And I'd rather be second behind City 
than Liverpool. Yeah. So that's a bonus, that's a bonus Tom. <laughs> um, it, it's difficult, you know, I, um, I've said many times, the players that got Ollie the job are still there. He's got to get rid of them because they've got every other manager sacked. And if he doesn't get rid of them, they'll get him sacked. I think he's, I think he's the right man for the job and he's going the right way. Someone has said at the beginning of the season, you know, you'd be second in the league. And you know, the league's not finished yet. You just don't know. And you're in the, okay, it's a Euro Cup. It doesn't matter. It's still a cup. You're going to be in the semi-finals now. I would have broke their arm off because he has so many average players, and I'm being kind, saying average, that he's done. It's a miracle where we are. I think he's. I think he's done fantastic. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on. You just mentioned there in terms of the players who have let down previous managers. And we always have this discussion on this podcast in terms of Ollie's team selection and who he picks and who he trusts. And I just want to get your opinion on a fellow Scotsman, someone who I think Ollie trusts with his life, and rightly so, because I think his performances back it up. But he also does, in some parts, come in for a lot of criticism. But just your thoughts on Scott McTominay and how important he has been under Solskjaer? Do you know, I watched the game against Brighton, and we were, we were still very poor. But we won. At the end of the day, it's a, it's a great result. Um, what I couldn't understand, why would you play Fred instead of McTominay? I don't understand that. You know, the things he does that I think, <laughs> Jesus, Ollie, I don't know what you're looking at. I mean, Fred wouldn't get a game for the pub team over here. Mm. <laughs> He's not the only one. But why would you leave McTominay on the bench and play Fred? I'd... I'd the one thing about McTominay, he'll put his foot in, he'll win a ball for you, and he'll pass the ball forward. Fred's a Fred's non-event. Not just him, by the way. But some things he does I don't understand. But it's, I suppose it's difficult for him. All, all the, I keep saying, a lot of the players, not all of them, are still there who got him the job. People like Matic, Pogba, Fred... You know, without going on and on, Martial, another one, in and out, in and out. He, um, it's a big job. He's, he, it's a five-year. When when he got the job, Tom, I, I said at the time, you know, I have my own podcast that I do over here. I don't know if you know that. You can catch it on YouTube if you if you got time. Yeah, no, we'll definitely I'll post the links on our Twitter page. Um, yeah, I've very been good doing listen. For, I've been doing it for about a year. And uh, it's, I think he's done a great job up to now, but he's got to get rid of a load more players and then get back to playing proper Manchester United football. Uh, I, I mean, one of his, well, a couple of his buys, but one of his, Maguire, not for me, but uh, I think he's doing, in the situation he's in, he's done a great job. But it's a five year after five years right if, if you still got those players there then he won't be the manager that's that's for sure yeah. but in the meantime you know it's great it's give us something to to look forward to we're still winning we're not winning lovely but we're still winning like you say second in the league i'll take that and the, the nice thing is 
the Merseyside's gone very quiet mm. over it. Very, <laughs> very, very. Yeah, you know, it's that's worth everything. So, and a great result the other night, by the way, Real Madrid. Yeah, Real Madrid, yeah, very good. I think it's a great result. So, anyway, we'll see no. what happens. But, but, but just on that, I think you could be almost a regular on this podcast with your views on Fred and McTominay. Uh, me and my co-host um, often share the same views after um, a Fred performance. But enough about the current players. We talk about them enough every week. We want to sort of get into your time at United and your career. And I just want to, if you can rejog my memory from sort of my research and DVDs and VHS tapes over the years, but um, you joined United the year after they won the European Cup. And I just want your thoughts on what it's like actually walking into that dressing room and sort of, first of all, the move to Manchester United and sort of the step up in sort of quality that sort of provides, but also just the the, the social aspect and the sort of, were you intimidated at all walking into a team that consisted of the likes of you know, Dennis Law, Bobby Charlton, George Best, just your thoughts and recollections of what it's actually like walking into that dressing room as a footballer? Um well, my first thoughts, don't forget at Burnley. Burnley were the English champions. And uh, invariably, we beat Man United. In fact, I think the last game before I joined United, we beat them 6-0 or something at Turf Moor. Um, I scored a couple and made four for Andy Lockhead. And he still moans, by the way, that he didn't get man the match. Mm. Uh, I did. So uh, it wasn't... You know, Burnley had great players as well. Big names, great players. So going to United was was obviously a move up because they just won the European Cup. Uh, but my first my first time there, it was to the training ground at the Cliff. It wasn't where it is now. It's called the Cliff, mm. and uh, it was pretty backward. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought really so. And I actually joined them, signed on a Saturday morning. And they were due to, they were playing Chelsea that day at Old Trafford. And uh, Matt said, you, you're going to stay and watch the match. I said, it was about 11, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I said, oh, I said, I've got a golf game. Gaffer, I'm playing golf. Because don't forget, I, I spent the whole summer off. I had no pre-season training or nothing because I was banned from Burnley's ground because of the conflict between Bob Lord and I. And uh, so, and I arranged a game of golf. So he said, really? I said, yeah. So I went back home, played golf. I said, well, I'll see you on Monday morning. And, um, and I went Monday morning training ground again. And uh, I played my first match on a Wednesday night. They had a Wednesday night match. They got beat 4-0, by the way, by Chelsea that day. Yeah. So I'm glad I didn't stay. And um, we were playing Tottenham on the Wednesday. And I made my debut. And walking out, because you don't know what to expect. You know, you, you come into great team, great players. I mean, you mentioned three. But don't forget, you also had Alex Stepney, Tony Dunn, Shea Brennan, Pat Creran, Nobby Styles, Bill Fawkes. They were they were a great team, and uh, I thought, well, what? I'm not sure what's going to happen. And when I walked out, the reception was unbelievable. Sixty-three and a half thousand. It was unbelievable. 
and it, it gives you goosebumps and put shivers down. And it stayed that way for the rest of my career there. Uh, the, you know, I got in great with the crowd. The, the, the supporters were fantastic. And I loved it. But it, it was a, every game, not just, not just the first game, every time you walked out and they start singing or chanting, you know, the song that they used to do, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. You just so, mentioned there the, the supporters. I just want to move on to obviously a big part of the Man United story around your era was the relegation. And I just want to sort of throw back to now, if you, Manchester United were to happen to get relegated now, you could only imagine the, the fallout from that. It would be an absolute disaster on so many levels and the fan reaction would be unheard of. You don't know how the fan base would react. However, back then, I want to get your thoughts on, you mentioned sort of, the relationship with the fans because there's definitely a there was a relationship there where now there's very much of a well, there's no relationship there's very much of a disconnect now between fans and players and I just want your thoughts on or recollections of when United were relegated how was that perceived well, obviously there's going to be disappointment obviously but how was that perceived by the fans and how sort of did they treat you when you went into that next season in the old second division well if you recollect yeah get relegated wasn't the uh the happiest moment in my life, but but we broke every attendance record when we were in the second division mm. away from home. And uh, the home supporters, you know, the Stratford end, great, great, great supporters. And as much as they loved us, we loved them. And you wanted to play for them. And, you know, we, we were upset for them. And as it turned out, they were upset for us. So we did it together. And we, as you know, we came straight back up. The fans were amazing. Wherever we went and played away, you know, the away fans are incredible for Manchester United, not just the home fans. And they'd be there lining up. You know, we used to travel on the train back in those days. And after the match, when you were coming home, they'd be lined up in the train station to clap you. And that's the second division. The supporters are amazing, amazing. And it, it will be great. We will come back. Obviously, that's the way football works. You can't stay at the top forever. And we will come back. But they are, to this day, you know, we live very quietly down here. <clears throat> and um, they still, they turn up from all sorts of places at my door. How they find out where I live, I don't know. But they cut, and they are so nice. The, the only thing is, they normally come and say, can you, can you sign a couple of photographs? Then they pull out about 200 or 300 photographs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but they, they're just lovely. You, you know, they love Manchester United. It's their life. Not so much now. I'm talking about the old supporters who have been there for years and years and years. It's a different world now. It's a different game. I mean, the, there's no Stratford end as such anymore. It's not a working man's hmm. game anymore. You have to have money to go and watch football these days. And, you know, unless they, the careful football clubs, you know, they'll lose the support because people can't afford it. They can't afford to take the kids. It's all right with the dad going. But if you've got two young lads or three, 
they can't afford it. So they've got to be careful. Um, I, I think the support, I mean, I've obviously traveled all over the world with them. The support worldwide is incredible. I mean, I, I know, here I am, an old man. I still get fan mail, Thailand, Vietnam, Australia, America. It's incredible, honestly. So well, it's, it's great to hear that you have sort of such proud memories of what, as you mentioned, is it's sort of a dark time and a disappointing time for United. And I just look at now and United fans over the past 20, 30 years have been so spoilt and people yeah. now are so critical of everything. And it, look, everyone has obviously a right to an opinion, but sort of the over-the-top criticism and over-the-top abuse saying, oh, I'm finished with this club, it's such a dark day. And I think, well... Being second in the Premier League, having some some of the best footballers on show to, in a massive stadium, um, you can watch all the games. I used to be able to not watch all the games, etc. I just think, well, it's not really the worst time in the world now watching Man United. Okay, it might be a little bit frustrating that we're not the best team, but being second in the best league in the world um, is hardly relegation, which so many fans had to go through 30, 40 years ago. But um, almost the time of their lives, like you only hear positive stories from those fans. Um, they almost they, they love the second division. And I just want to t- t- touch on the second division in regards to that promotion season. Mm-hmm. We all talk as United fans, we're so proud of the 20 league titles and we sing about it and we're very rightfully proud of that. But I look at it and think one of the most, w- most important trophies or one of the most important trophies is that second division title because we've seen so many clubs get relegated and struggle to take that sort of step back up if they don't go straight back up. They start to spiral down. You just have to look what Leeds United did 15, 20 yeah. years ago. They really struggled to come back. So I just want your thoughts on that season when you came back up. How important did that feel? Was it just another trophy? Okay, it was job done? Or could you oh, sense no. that it was so important for the club to come back at the first opportunity? You know, we when we got re- you know we hadn't played that badly when we got relegated. It was like last year when Liverpool won the league. They got every piece of good luck, every VAR decision, every referee going their way. They're the worst team that ever won the Premier League. And by the same token, we were a good team when we got relegated. We lost much. We played, we played well. We just no matter what we did, we had every piece of bad luck going. It was an it was an just one of those things. And when you know going to the second division, you say, yeah, okay, you know that's no problem. We'll win the second division. I mean, we're too good, and we were, um, and obviously we did. So, as bad as it was, it was quite amazing because I I visited places that I'd never heard of to play against <laughs> the teams of the second division. Well, a, a we lot were... of fa- a lot of fans now say. <laughs> They'd almost take a season in the championship just because the new grounds they'll get to go to and it'll be something different. And what we, you great. talk about those travelling fans and how much sort of camaraderie there is on those away trips. Well, apart from that, we were winning. Obviously, we were winning the reason we became champions. But we'd go to places. I remember oh, someplace, and they'd have bunting. By that time, we were travelling on a coach, and they had bunting out because Manchester United were coming to play their team. Um, so it, it was an experience, but it was a great experience Be, because we were playing well, playing well and winning. It's not so much playing well, winning as well. Um, it was, there was no stigma in the supporters. It meant nothing, no difference. 
this is still Manchester United, no matter where you're playing. And they were there week in, week out. No one said, ah, oh, they've got relegated. I'm not a Manchester United supporter anymore. Mm. That's not a Manchester United supporter. Anyone yeah. who thinks like that, you know, you're a, you're a United supporter or any team through thick and thin, no matter what, because what you have to appreciate that the club's doing the best. Whatever players are there, whether the right players or not, they're doing the best. The, the difference from my era, that you, you played for the shirt, you didn't play for money. You played for the shirt, you played for nothing. Generally, you would have played for nothing. And most of us, most of us did. Wages weren't that great for everyone. <clears throat> um, but you did. You played because you wanted to, and you played for. I mean, Sir Matt Busby created. He was like your dad, and you just wanted to play well for him. You know, he was. I don't know. It's, it's different now. I mean, now it's just about agents. Um, hmm. How much money can you get? And you know that real or whatever his name is, fat ugly man, <laughs> um, who uh, Pogba's agent, a few others yeah. as well. So yeah, well, yeah, well, Pogba, he won't be. You know, I want him away. I wish he had gone. By the way, he's not my cup of tea. I think he's a. Uh, very, very average player. Very average. Well, I think uh, I think that is why you, which you mentioned at the start of the podcast, in re, especially in relation to the fans and their relationship with players, that so many fans do sort of gravitate towards players, whether it be like a Marcus Rashford or even a Scott McTominay, because they are the type of player. While they are on extraordinary wages, they are the type of person you could almost see if United got relegated. Okay, Paul Pogba would be the first person out the door, but a player like Marcus oh. Rashford or Scott McTominay, you could see them. Of course, United aren't going to get relegated, but you could envisage a scenario where they would stay and play for the club. Well, like I said, uh, without getting relegated, to be the first player out the door. If I was your man, if I was your manager, um, plays for money, but he doesn't play. That's the that's the problem. <laughs> Gladly, if you put in the performances. Uh, whatever they pay them is irrelevant, but it's just all about money. Uh, it's a different game. You get you get a few players. You just bought about a couple of them uh, that play for the shirt. Mark Rashford, McTominay, they play for the shirt because it's it means something to them. The shirt doesn't mean nothing to Pogba or Matic. Or, they don't care. They don't care where they are. As long as they're getting money, they're, they're happy. So it's it's just a different game. But back back in my day, you did play for the shirt. You know, it, it meant something to you, and it was just very important. So, but it's a different world. You know, it's not just football. It's a different world now. So, well, well, going on to just before we wrap up the podcast, just a little bit on actual football and sort of your views about a few things regarding the actual game. I just think for anyone who obviously watched you play or has gone back and watched old DVDs or YouTube clips, your, your game was like a tricky winger, sort of solely based on creating chances for players, scoring goals and creating chances, sort of something that every Man United fan has brought up in, on watching and, and what we expect our sort of attacking players to do. And I just want your thoughts because both in your time but also in regards to the modern game, 
a big criticism of United is we don't create enough chances for our striker. So whoever's that striker, like Mason Greenwood yesterday, I thought he played well, but he didn't get one chance because we didn't create a chance for him. So just want your thoughts on the actual, I don't know what you call it, the skill or the art of creating chances. Because so much of the criticism is labelled at Solskjaer for this. And I think it's a bit unfair because mm-hmm. I think the players need to take responsibility in regards to the quality on the ball. And as we say, as you've alluded to and we've mentioned on this podcast before, at the end of the day, they're good players, but in terms of what Man United need, they're not good enough, Like especially when you compare it to a Manchester City or a Bayern Munich. We just don't have that quality of player. So just want, where would you weigh up the responsibility in that attack in football? Is it solely on the player or how much weight is it to the manager's tactics? Um, just your thoughts on sort of United's um, lack of creation compared to how you used to create chances. Well, first of all, there are no wingers anymore. Mm. In my day, you were a specialist. You were centre forward, inside forward, half back, winger. That was your job. You know, the, the people, the reason the game is the way it is, they're not just United, nearly all the teams, if you watch them, they go back. As soon as they get confronted by a defender, they go backwards, sideways, anywhere, not to lose the ball. And that's because the coaches. I, coaches are the biggest scourge of the game. I'd sack every coach, I'd get rid of every coach in the game and get back to having a manager. A manager picked a team. He picked a blend of talent, people with talent. And, you know, it, it was a blend because without Nobby Styles, you wouldn't have Bobby Charlton. And without Nobby Styles, you wouldn't have Paddy Crown. Uh, my job um, was to create, create chances, and um, which I did. Scoring a goal was a bonus for me, <clears throat> even though yeah, I got a few, but creating chances was what I did and what the left winger did. Um, they're not, they're no wingers anymore. I mean, in, in fairness to the people up front at Man United, um, they don't have a winger. So you got, you, you got Rashford. Playing in the wing, crossing the ball in. Well, he's a centre forward, he's a finisher. What's he doing? Going wide and trying to cross the ball. And, it's, and with fairness to Martial, even though I don't rate the lad, you're playing right in the wing. You have to have, it, well, two for me. Centre forwards, playing centre forwards. And then people creating chances for them. We don't have that. But not many teams do. Not many teams. Oh, honestly, where's the wingers? Where's the, where's the wing? I mean, we bought the kid, James. He, he's, he, he's just another coaches. They're all, they're all the same. You ask them, where do you, where do you play? What position do you play, lad? Uh, anywhere. <laughs> really? I'm not, he's not a specialist at anything. They play anywhere just to get in the team. Um, but that's coaching. And it's not just at that level. It starts at five-year-old. Why would you coach a five-year-old? You don't need your school teachers with coaching badges. All you have to do, go into school, ask the kids, who's the best player in the school? He is. Who's the next best? He is. Mm. The kids will tell you. You don't, they're coaching it out of them. They, you know, the game is possession. Possession, 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 go backwards, sideways, anywhere. I've seen us on the edges of the 18-yard box, the opponent's 18-yard box, 
And three passes later, it's back to our goalkeeper. What, what are you doing? Just to keep possession. It's crazy. And yeah, that's well, coaches. That's coaches, honestly. They, they don't want the kids to take people on. And you, they, you, what men, you, they you mentioned there, sorry to interrupt, you mentioned there, um, sort of, there's no, no one specialises in a position anymore. And we had a discussion, our supporters club here in Sydney were lucky enough a couple of weeks ago to have a chat to Dwight York. And he said, we asked him about sort of Rashford and Greenwood and something that may be in the future, maybe a detriment to their career is they're not a set position. They're one week they're on the left, one week they're on the right, and they can't nail down that position. And he said the reason him and Andy Cole were so good together is every training and every game, they'll play in the same position. So they're able to sort of sort of really master that master that art of being a centre forward. Yeah, no, obviously, absolutely right. That's your position. You know, you don't want your centre half playing it right right back because of somebody's got injured, so or you're right back playing at centre half. It's crazy. Mm. You know, you but when I was when I was playing so long ago, but if your right winger got injured, the reserve team right winger came into the team. He didn't put you mm. know, one of the centre forwards on the right wing just to accommodate. It it was simple. Yeah, um, no, that's a very interesting point, which guy underneath he came into the team. Because yeah, that's the way. Yeah. Very interesting so, point. Well, I've, you always sort of notice that, but you don't, don't really give it too much thought. That yes, there's so often like we've seen with even Solskjaer's guilty of it. He's if the left wing is out, sometimes Paul Pogba plays on the left or something. It is um, an interesting point where you should really should have two for each position. Yeah, one's out of form or one's injured. The next specialist goes into that position. But um, yeah, very yeah. interesting. But we'll quickly move on. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. We'll try and finish the podcast on a highlight. <laughs> And just um, almost what is the highlight of your Man United career, especially your playing career? Can you single out a specific game or a specific moment or a season type thing? I, you know, just just playing at Man United was fantastic. Just fantastic. I loved every minute. Uh, well, apart from right at the end mm. <laughs> with Doherty. But that's <laughs> uh, <clears throat> just... Playing for Man United was great. And, you know, for me, the team that I came into, one of the great teams, they were a great team. And our forward, our forward line wasn't too shabby. Mm. Uh, I think it was myself, Dennis, Bobby, Brian Kidd, and George Best. I wasn't too shabby, the forward line. I think you, I think we if United had that forward line now, I think we might do okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I think it would solve a few problems. <laughs> yeah, but well, I think that is a good that's a good memory to leave on, and sort of a good image to have all those sort of exciting attacking players and legends of the club um, before we wrap up the podcast. But um, just on that, which you mentioned a few times in the podcast, please go and give Willie Morgan's um, YouTube channel a watch, um, The Willie Morgan Show. Um, follow him on Twitter and you'll see all the links to it. Um, your Twitter handle is at the Willie Morgan. And um, I very much urge everyone to go and have a watch and have a subscribe of that. And um, it's very good to have a former player like yourself on, not just a former player, but a former player who speaks honestly. Um, a lot of players now, and I wouldn't criticise any former players, but a lot of them are very careful with what they say. It's very refreshing to have someone who's been there and done it at the highest level. And, yeah, 
just got to the stage where they don't care what anyone thinks and speak your honest thoughts, which um, is very refreshing and um, an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and all the members here in the Man United Supporters Club of New South Wales. Um, we all send our best wishes and we thank you for all your continued work over the years. Um, obviously, Mark O'Connor has been over there for a couple of years and um, has always got a few things signed for some of our members back here. So, first of all, we truly appreciate all your hard work on the pitch for Man United, which has given sort of countless fans some of the greatest memories they've had but also your work, which you're doing now, um, just educating and entertaining Man United fans. We truly, truly appreciate it, mate. Tom, it wasn't hard work playing for Man United. Mm. It was a pleasure. It was, it was not hard work. It was the easiest way to earn a living, known to man. We were, but people like me, don't forget, we would have been digging coal. We would have been miners if we hadn't been playing football. So we were just all grateful just yeah. to play. So, um, and any time, I've been down a couple of times down to Australia, uh, long before, well, one before you were born, obviously, mm-hmm. 1967, and uh, with Scotland. And then I went to visit my brother, lived in Perth. Mm-hmm. Sadly, Jim passed, he's, he's gone now, but we came down to Perth. And it's a fabulous country, you know, they, they're just wonderful. And I just wish everyone there all the best and don't get disappointed give Ollie a chance don't get disappointed just enjoy what we're doing at the moment now very very wise words and we'll leave it on that note and hopefully everyone very much enjoyed that podcast I'm sure you did as I said it's a pleasure to have a former player former Man United number seven on the podcast and um, hopefully everyone has a good weekend before obviously the Tottenham game me and Larry We'll be back at the pub to discuss that. Hopefully three points against Jose Mourinho. It'd be nice to see Solskjaer get one over him. And um, yeah, as I said, go follow Willie Morgan on Twitter. Um, all his um, links to his YouTube channel are on there. And um, make sure you subscribe to our podcast and follow on us at UTD Pubcast. Until then, um, big thank you, Willie. And hopefully everyone has a very good weekend. Cheers. My pleasure.